when you're married or you're in a relationship, no one ever tells you how to get out of that relationship. They can emotionally bully you with, with, no, with no problems on your face or your body or bruises or anything, and no one's gonna believe you. There's no win no. for anyone. No, there's not. It's, the, it's not enough to win. The other person has to lose. And that's the damage. Where do blokes go if they're abused? That's the problem. When you're told black is white and white is black, you do start to believe it and it warps your own sense of self. Your top three tips about getting out of a uh, narcissistic relationship. Welcome to the Eventful Lives podcast. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the founder of Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sports and music festival. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. If you haven't already, do us a favour, press the follow button and check us out at Dodge Woodall on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube, where we've now had over 80 million views. Tim Flower is a ball-busting, no-nonsense divorce lawyer who helps people escape narcissistic marriages using the law as his weapon. He reveals the secrets and incredible golden rules of how to use legal routes to rid yourself of poisonous relationships and dangerous situations. This is the eventful life of Mr. Tim Flower. Becky, welcome back to the show again. Thank you, Dodge. This is becoming a regular hangout now, isn't it? Is, it is, isn't it? Quite enjoying these ones. And what's amazing is the public are absolutely loving it. We definitely got the world talking, yeah. um, but talking, I think, effectively about this subject because it's it, narcissism is now a word that has been so bandied around. People are accused of being narcissists when actually they're not at all. Yeah. It's just that they are perhaps got some dysfunctional elements to them in a relationship. But actually, when we focus on being around a true narcissist, mm. um, I think, you know, the evidence really points clearly to the damage that they do to the people around them. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that is self-doubt. You know, when you have been gaslit, when you have been lied to about your own feelings and about your experience of reality, the legacy of that is to have self-doubt because your identity is, is eroded over time. When you're told you're wrong enough, um, when you're told black is white and white is black, you do start to believe it and it warps your own sense of self. Mm. And that's when they replace your sense of identity with themselves and their own beliefs. Um, and then you're, you know, just to recap, then you're in the, the stratosphere of love bombing to bring you in, um, devaluing to take control and then discarding mm. when they have now mm. have no use for you or you're now a shell of yourself or your finances are depleted by them uh, and then they'll discard you. But then they might not just discard you completely. They might discard elements of you, but they might still keep you as um, a source of income or childcare or, um, you know, or if it's, you know, obviously we have narcissistic bosses as well and mm. narcissistic parents. Mm. Uh, it's very difficult to break away from a narcissistic parent. Absolutely. So from this one, the follow up of this episode is followed up from episode 103, which was how to survive a narcissistic relationship. Yes. And a dangerous one, too. Yes. And then this episode here is um, how to leave a toxic narcissistic relationship. Right. And this is the one that I'm really intrigued on because we've brought a special guest in with us today, which is the wonderful Tim Flower. Hey guys, how are you? You all right? Very good, Tim, very good, Tim. Tim's one of the best divorce lawyers in the country. 
Um, I thought it was really powerful to bring him in today and we can have a three-way conversation um, about this subject. Brilliant. And I think one of the reasons I've brought in Tim Flower from Preston Redmond today is because I know that he understands how to navigate um, as a lawyer, how to navigate dealing and leaving a narcissist because the law is full of triggers for their behaviours, which can make it very, very difficult to leave psychologically, but also very difficult to leave um, from a legal point of view, and particularly with the emphasis too on co-parenting. Do you know what I find interesting about this whole thing is that when you're married or you're in a relationship, no one ever tells you how to get out of that relationship, mm. especially if you're married, You've got to then go and speak to a lawyer, a divorce lawyer, and then you're going to find out all your answers, but you're going to be charged 300 quid an hour, which is part, which and is business and, and the rest. And it goes on and on and on. So I would like today is to really sort of break it down and, and, and create a simple version that if you are in a relationship and you're in a toxic relationship and you are in a relationship with a narcissist, I'd like to find out the ways how to get out of that relationship. Because sometimes I would imagine that if you are in a, relationship with a narcissist you don't even know you're in a relationship with a narcissist quite right and i'm hoping that this is the closest you ever become to a divorce lawyer um, i don't want anything to do with a divorce lawyer <laughs> i'm lucky to have a very very calm loving but you're missus. right if you have survived the relationship enough to have the strength to leave the relationship or to be or you've been discarded you know, you've been dropped and you can't make sense of the fact that your 20-year marriage, your 10-year marriage, your long-term relationship has just ended on a sixpence and left you feeling very confused and not understanding what happened. Um, that's, that's one part. But actually, how do you legally get out of this relationship? Yeah. And there's three aspects to consider. And the first one is your safety, mm. you know, physically and emotionally. Second. It's interesting, it's interesting sorry to interrupt there, in there, but it's really interesting what you said there because no one ever thinks about the emotional abuse that you get in a relationship. People think, if I'm just talking on a man's perspective here, for you to say, oh, I've been uh, punched by the missus or slapped by the missus, you can't go and tell your mates that. You'd just be like, whatever. So, so, so emotionally, they can emotionally bully you with, with, no, with no problems on your face or your body or bruises or anything, and no one's going to believe you. Correct. And that, and that emotional abuse doesn't end when the relationship ends. In fact, it becomes more, and obviously Tim's going to cover that in a moment. So there's three aspects. is mm. your emotional and physical safety. And obviously safety is also the roof over our head yeah. um, and the money in our bank. Um, secondly, the children. And third, finances. Mm. You know, um, so... You know, for most of us in a relationship, we don't then know how to get divorced. Yeah. Never mind how to get divorced from a narcissist. So, so if I went to, if I, for example, a guy went to you, phoned you up and has been given a contact through someone who knows you, uh, Tim, and says, I need to get divorced. I'm in a toxic relationship with my wife. I get bullied every day. She's pushed my friends away from me. She's pushed my family away from me. She's in control of the finances. She's in control of my mobile phone. What what do we do? Yeah, I, the the de dealing with a narcissist in a, in, the, in a relationship, the end of a relationship is totally different to dealing with a non narcissist. Most most divorces, when you haven't got a narcissist involved, you should be able to agree things directly or through mediation if it's a bit complicated, or you get a lawyer and you negotiate a settlement. You know, you, you, this is not the norm. So we're talking about the abnormal with an, with a narcissist. But if a chap, there's this scenario that you're talking about, a chap comes to me 
in that sort of situation, you, you've got to remember that lawyers work on instructions. So we have to do what we're told. Uh, we give advice, but at the end of the day, we've got to do what we're told. And what's really difficult for people who have been in a relationship with a narcissist is they don't know which way's up. So when I'm giving them advice, they don't know whether to believe me because their ex-partner's telling them something different. Mm. And the ex-partner quite often goes with this divide and conquer uh, technique where they'll try and befriend me. On you'll see, you'll see very polite emails and manipulative emails to me. And quite often I find that narcissists don't instruct lawyers or they do something where they where they go around three or four lawyers and they'll sack their lawyers because they're not being told what they want to hear. Right, okay. And it's always a real trigger when you've got somebody that's moved law firms a few times, particularly if they've gone through a couple of the good lawyers locally and you're thinking, well, hang on a minute, I know she's a really good lawyer yeah. and I know he's a really, really good lawyer. If they're moving around, you've got to, it's a bit of a yeah. warning signal. So when they come to me, I think the important thing is that they need to get their instructions in order. And that means that they need to build their support network, potentially before instructing me. So quite often a guy will come to me and, you know, I'm assuming the chap's safe or the person's safe. Um, and I'll come to it if they're not safe at the moment. But if it's the coming towards the end of a relationship, um, I'll regularly advise them to go and get some therapy because they need to get their own thoughts in order before they can tell me what they want. What do you do if a, a female is aggressive and violent towards you? The, 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 you've got to get out, mm. and, and that's the truth. And that's the same whether it's a male being being aggressive to, to a woman. Um, you've, you've got to get out. We have got something called non-molestation orders in the country and occupation orders. So let's say, for example, you live in a house with uh, a, a woman lives in a, lives in a house with a chap. He is violent or he is aggressive, controlling you can apply for a non-molestation order, which is a, basically like a family law injunction. And that injunction would will be an order that will prevent him from intimidating, harassing, pestering you, publishing things online, uh, controlling you, controlling your finances. Uh, and then you can apply through the courts for what's called an occupation order, which is basically kicks him out of the family home and he'll have to go and reside somewhere else. They're not the easiest of things to get, but in the right circumstances, they can be obtained and where we've come in the last 19 years from and, and and i'll quote a police officer two months after i qualified as a solicitor uh tell me that um a woman that had been beaten up it was just a domestic and that that's only 19 years ago yeah. and now we've managed to get all the way through that what we've got in we're, we're lucky in this country our judges are brilliant we yeah. have got good judges yeah. um, and they understand controlling coercive behavior they understand that it's you know that you know, aggression isn't just violence, mm. and we understand that sort of thing. So we can get people out of properties if we need to, and then the divorce flows from that. How long does it take for a non-molestation order to come through? We can get them within twenty-four hours. Is that so right? there's a charity called the National Centre for Domestic Violence, and they've been running now for well, they started as the London Centre for Domestic Violence, but they've been around for about twenty-five years. Um, and what they've got is they've got a pat, they've got a 24-hour phone phone line, um, which we can put into a link for for, for people. Mm. You phone them, they take your details, and they will wherever you happen to be in the in the country, uh, they'll have a panel of solicitors that are available. Uh, they'll contact the solicitor. You do a witness statement, and you can get into court. And you can get into court for what's called next party application. Mm. So it, that means your partner's not told about it. So you can go to mm. court, and if you've are prepared to give a witness statement saying that they've done certain amount of things 
And the witness statements for these are quite short. So we usually sort of look for first, worst, and most recent type of yeah. incident. Um, and we can apply for apply for a non-molestation order, and that will be granted without them, the, your, your you know your opponent knowing about mm. it, and they'll be served with that. Mm. And that might be an order that may it may kick them out of the house if if it's sufficiently bad, and you've got evidence that they can go somewhere else. For example, they own three houses or what have yeah. you. That how, how is that served? It's served by a process server. So what does um, that mean? that's like a bailiff from the court will go okay. out and hand deliver it to that person. Then there'll be what's called a return hearing where the person come to court and they can either allow the non-molestation order to continue or they can contest it. And the judge will hear very short arguments as to whether or not it should continue until a final hearing. Now, a non-molestation order is quite a quite an aggressive tactic to get against somebody because it's quite restrictive. Um, you know, you, we can have people excluded from roads. I've had people excluded from counties who have been very bad. Um, and, and if they break that? It's a criminal offence. So they're arrested by the police for breaching the, breaching the non-molestation order, and they are, they're dealt with through the magistrates' courts, and wow. and that, that's it. It's a criminal offence. That's powerful. That came it? in only yeah. about ten years ago. Uh, don't quote me on that. Yeah. But it, it, in the old days, you used to have to have people arrested and dealt with for contempt of court. Yeah. But now it's a it's a full-on criminal offence. Yeah. You spoke earlier about men not being able to tell their mates that they're being abused. Yeah. Right. Well. We're hopefully moving a bit further because we men couldn't tell their mates when they were a bit sad yeah. or when they had problems. Yeah. And what what I think would be good to get across here today is that we men are now learning to talk about their mental health, mm. but they now need to talk about how they are at home as well. Mm. And the men we've got to keep an eye on our mates. Yeah. Not only are our mates being abused, let's let's keep an eye on them, but you've got to keep an eye on your mates if they're the, they're the abuser. Yeah. Because We've spent a long, you know, number of generations potentially turning a blind eye when you know the, the chap down the road knocks his missus about yeah. when he has a beer. Yeah. Well, we, that's not we don't have that anymore. Yeah. So we we as men, we've got the police putting their putting their time in. We've mm. got people doing podcasts. We're talking about it, but we as men, we've got to step up and and deal with our mates and go. Hang on, no mate, that's not you know that's not all right. If I knew of any of my mates bashing the missus around, mm. that'd be the first thing that would happen. You'd yeah. pull him aside. You'd Exactly. Have a, have a proper word of him. Yeah. And get all your mates to back you up as well. Yeah. Because that's just not on. Yeah. And they, they need to know that. But it's also not on of a woman physically abusing a bloke mm. and slapping him and punching him. And just because he's a big lump or he's a rugby player, he kind of just accepts it. Yeah. Completely. It should never be, never be uh, minimised. Any kind of violence to get anyone should never be minimized based on gender um, and also it isn't something that anyone should be having to tolerate and put up with um, it's I think when you know when we're talking about non-molestation orders and getting legal protection which is so important some of the most abused victims male or female are sometimes the so devalued and broken they haven't got the strength to even know that there is a system there that can protect them um they don't know how to engage with it they, their self-confidence and self-worth is so low that they don't even believe that they deserve to be protected that's that's a really good point there their self-confidence is so low 
mm. and they don't even know how to be protected. And, and that's where I say that they need to get some get yeah. some therapy before they start instructing a lawyer or while they're instructing and a you, lawyer. You mentioned the word therapy straight away. Blokes would just think, "Oh, therapy. What you on about?" Yeah. What, what, just break down what you would. What, what would you want someone to do? Who do you want them to go and see before they uh, come and see you? What What I want them to do is get their thoughts in order. Yeah. I want them to know to try and remember what's happened yeah. because a lot of it will have been blocked out. Blocked out by cocaine and alcohol. Well, yeah, normally. cocaine, alcohol, or emotions. People just block things Suppress out. Suppress it, or, push it, hide it under the carpet. Or which, which, which a high percentage of blokes will do. Yeah, yeah. just Just get it. on the piss, forget it, suppress it, deal yeah. with it. Coming home knowing you're going to have to walk on eggshells when you go in the door, she's mm. going to be on your case again, and it just it just grows and grows and grows until one day it probably erupts and the bloke's had enough. Exactly, and that's when when potentially the violence yeah. might may kick in, but it's it, is it violence or is it a self-defense mechanism? It, yeah. Obviously there shouldn't be violence, but yeah, that may well be what it is. And it, it's not so much, so we spent, we've spoken about drugs and cocaine, that's quite common, but actually it's the boys at the gym. Yeah. Like we all, you know, people over training um, or addicted to their work yeah. or anything that they can possibly do to block out what's going on at the home. And I need them to try and get their thoughts in order and stop just blowing themselves out yeah. so that they can make themselves strong so they can come and talk to me. So I need them to stop drinking because there's, there's no no good coming to see me on a Monday morning yeah. when you're still hanging from the weekend yeah. and me going through your bank statements trying to figure out where, where the money's gone yeah. or what your company's worth. Going there, going, right, uh, yeah. yeah, that bar, 200 quid, Spearman, yeah. Rhino, four o'clock, right. casino, exactly. five o'clock, Jesus I, Christ, how much did I lose? I, I know. I've seen some cracking bank statements, I, I tell you. I uh, um, or, yeah, but both sides, where they're both accused of overspending yeah. and you're going, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> You've got very different tastes, but you're both spending. Um, and uh, and so that's that's the thing, and it, and that's for, for, for women and men. Get You need to get your thoughts in order. Yeah. because And also... Quite often, people will come to me when I was a very junior lawyer. People come to me and I'd sign them up, and then, are you ready to get divorced? Are you, are you not? Are you strong enough for this or not? Um, and it's it's getting themselves strong enough to do that and know where they're going outside the legal framework of the divorce because a divorce just isn't just a non-moral and a divorce and a you know a ch sorting out your children. It's how life is going to work. Yeah, you, you need to go and get a job. You need to understand that if you are going to co-parent, you're effectively two single parents uh, half the time. Let, let's say we're, we're, you know, we're having the children half the time. Uh, that bit there, <clears throat> that bit there, the co-parenting, that's when it gets really messy, I'd imagine, because people are using the kids as porn. There's a lot of yeah. emotional blackmail going on. Yeah. Do you find from your experience that's where the real trouble starts? The, the real problem with, with narcissists is... It's, it's not enough to win. The other person has to lose. Mm. And that's the damage. So they can, let's say for, for, for most men, 50-50 shared care with their children would be a win. And they'd be like, that's brilliant. I'm going to do that. I see I get my kids half the time uh, and I can work and I can sort my life out and that's great. A narcissist will get that 50-50 shared care, but will still, then still try to destroy the mother or won't communicate with the mother or still try to destroy the mother of your new missus you no say, no so, so you, the, the mother of the children, children so yeah let's say i've let's say i've run a case through all the way through the court yeah potentially uh, and we've got 50 50 yeah. shared care and let's say the ma the male in this situation is the, the narcissist yeah but he's got 50 50 shared care 
He's a narcissist, they're but he might the, be a decent dad. Let's say if the female's narcissist. Yeah, okay. On this so, one, just because so from a bloke's yeah, point of view. Yeah, yeah. So we've got the, fe- the female, female's narcissist. We've got 50-50 shared care. From that from that point, it's put point of view, the woman, because historically the woman would have the children most of the time, yeah. that's, but now we're at 50-50. So for the woman here, she's lost because she's got 50-50 for a woman is a loss. 50-50 for a man is a win. Well, I mean, it shouldn't be, and that's not what the law is, but let's be honest, that's what society yeah. is, okay? Um, so that woman may well have lost, but she will then continue to attack the man either through the children by degrading him to the children or embarrassing him to the children, um, making make fun, make fun of what the dad might be able to earn or the new partner might be more financially successful Let's, you know, and it, it, it's the narcissist that they're more preoccupied with the appearance of wealth or status or success. That's what that's what's what, what they're 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 interested in. So when they're looking at their children, the relationship with it, they're actually looking. How does it how does it look on Instagram rather than how happy is my kid? Yeah, there's no there's no win no. for anyone. No, there's not. No, there's no win for it. Have you ever come across a, a, a relationship that's been really amicable, 50 50? Mm. They're both happy. They've signed. They still yeah. become friends. Is that is that oh, something that so, happens these days? Well, I, I I think quite a lot of people know 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 my um, my ex wife. I see my ex wife four or five times a week because she's one of my best friends, mm. and we had a completely amicable divorce. Mm. Um, and but my you know, not a narcissist. I'm not a narcissist. Mm. Most divorces. Most relationships, when they come to an end, come to an end quite amicably. There's a bit of upset and there's a bit of hurt, but that settles down after a year. You know, if somebody leaves you, it feels like a wound, and you've yeah. got a wound, but eventually a wound heals, yeah. and you've got, you've got a bit of a scar and things like that. But I have lots and lots of divorces where people will come to me and say, we've got an agreement, can we just sign this, draft this up? And I'll go, yeah, not a problem, we'll draft it up, and I'll send it to one of the other lawyers in the town, they'll advise it, and we'll file the order, and that's it. Quite a lot of people get divorced without even doing a financial order. I advise highly against that mm. because it can be a real problem 15 years down mm. the line. Um, you should always get a financial order. What does a financial order mean? So a financial order is uh, an order from the court. So you do your legal divorce, then you do your financial order, which sets out who gets what from the house and who's paying what in maintenance. And then eventually it will flow through to a, uh, a clean break when the children are whatever year or years old. And then that's the end of it, and you can't sue you, and you can't sue you. Yeah. That's it. Um, and that's a that's a final that's a final order, which should should ordinarily have a clean break at the end of it. Sometimes it doesn't, depending on the age of the parties. Mm. Um, if you don't have one, then if your your ex partner, your ex wife doesn't remarry, your ex husband doesn't remarry, they can come back and apply for a lump sum later on, mm. which is not ideal. But lots of people do this by agreement directly or you can go to mediation we've got some great mediators in Bournemouth particularly really good mediators you can do it negotiation between lawyers so let's say you know if you own a company and you're a successful bloke it's quite difficult to mediate a settlement with your with your wife because you don't know really know what the value of your company is yeah. most men I'll say what's the value of your company and they'll tell me oh you know x million yeah. quid and I'll look at it and go nah. it's not really is it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not really that's probably the only time a bloke will say in a pub you go how much your company oh yeah 10 million quid yeah. you're getting divorced how much your company worth oh, nothing a mil yeah <laughs> well this 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 brings us to a really interesting point about narcissists is 
when they're getting divorced, so when a narcissist getting divorced, you can end up some really difficult situations because during the marriage, because they're interested in outward appearance, they'll pretend to be loaded yeah. and they haven't got a pot. Yeah. Yeah. Or during the divorce, they'll lie, or, or quite often a narcissist will lie that he's not, that they're not loaded. Yeah. So they'll lie to the, 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 the partner, the non-narcissist partner, won't actually know what the finances are yeah. because mm. they're controlled. Yeah. So the, the partner controls the finances, yeah. which, which is what happens. But it's not that they control the finances that this person's not allowed to have any money. Sometimes they're love bombed and money bombed. They're just given all the money, you know, to control them yeah. because you can quite easily control somebody with money. If they, if the person gets, you know, in an unhappy relationship and they have a huge collection of handbags and sunglasses mm. are usually the thing I see. Yeah. Um, what, so are you saying that someone who has a large collection of that stuff are normally controlled by someone who's got well, the pound note to give it, it to them? It, it's, uh, I, I made a, um, a slightly without thinking comment to a yeah. client once where we went through a list of assets and there was these loads of handbags and loads of sunglasses. And I went, wow, you must have been really unhappy. And <laughs> I, know, I know. The truth. Yeah, fortunately, <laughs> fortunately she, she took it quite well and laughed. Yeah. Um, but... It was that was the truth, yeah. and the, the the narcissistic husband was controlling her by giving her a lot of money, but actually, when we dug into the finances of the chap, he didn't have anything. Yeah. Um. And some might think, oh, she was overspending, or it, it, where that control was sitting. So, when you go through and you're doing the divorce and you're looking at the finances and you've got a a, a woman or you know usually a woman who has lived a particular standard of life, mm. luxurious lifestyle. Mm. And when the divorce happens, you're going, well, look, I, I, I know you like that 4.5 million pound house in mm. Sandbanks, but um, you're not, you can't live there anymore. Yeah. You can't afford it. Um, you know, you're, you're looking at a three bedroom house somewhere normal. But I think, you, I, think, I think it's also important to say that, you know, for a, sometimes, um, especially the narcissist, the, the more malignant narcissist with a sense of grandiose, you know, everything is the outside, what it looks like from the outside, yeah. um, the perception. Very often, a lot that can be gift giving. And the reality is that individual has got five pounds to pay for 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 anything other than the agreed shopping. And the agreed shopping goes onto a credit card and is checked through. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what can outwardly look like a luxurious life is actually a gilded cage mm. and a prison where that person has no freedom. You know, even to buy personal hygiene um, items, that has to be justified. Um, I think one of the most difficult things is therefore if you're in a co-parenting relationship, and first of all, if you are separating from a narcissist or an equally toxic relationship, it's important to remember that the toxicity doesn't end when you split up. In fact, it becomes worse while you go through the separation period. Um, and actually what you're losing is some of the support that you might have got when they were in the love bombing phase or you were an, a, a decoration for them, to, for their egos. So actually prepare yourself. It does get worse when you leave, which is why separating is the most dangerous time, particularly when it comes to physical violence. Mm. Um, and therefore um, expect it and plan for it and get support for it, as Tim said. Is that why Is that why a lot of blokes would go, oh, I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. I'm best off just staying in this relationship. Let's get to a point and hopefully it fizzle out one day. I just can't be bothered to end it because I know I'm going to get a p loads of pain coming my way. That, there's, two, there's twofold for that. Yeah. Uh, just, just going back to Becky's yeah. point, I, I, I see 
that a lot of narcissists keep the gloves on during the relationship. And when the relationship comes to an end, those gloves come off. So within the relationship, they're, like you say, they're love bombing and they're, they're, their behaviors are somewhat controlled because they want to keep the relationship and, and they know what's acceptable and what's not sometimes. But once the relationship ends, then the gloves can come off and it can turn it can turn nasty. Mm. Um, but with a, a lot of guys, there's two reasons why they do that. One, they can't be bothered with the arsehake yeah. of, of getting out, all right? Um, and they can survive. And they just go into a, a, a horrible survival mode that they live in. Secondly, there are cer certain circumstances um, where a family will, a family's life will be set up where if a man leaves, he's screwed. Yeah. And we we might just, you know, we try and say that everything's fair and divorce and things like that. I can sit here and just tell you it's not. Is there a better case scenario that if you're a fella and you know the kids have left at 18, they've gone to uni, they've gone away and whatever, you to actually make the move now? Yeah. So if the children are, if the children are out of the equation yeah. and you've had a long marriage and a long marriage, what the definition of a long marriage varies, but... Um, say, say 10 years, for example. Well, 10 years, they won't be 18. But if, if let's say, if we said 20 years, yeah. the kids are 18, they've gone off to university, yeah. so to speak, or they've finished a so 20-year marriage. Well, and the wife's, you know, one of you's worked or you work part-time or whatever, pretty much, and, and let's say you're 45, yeah. 45, right? Pretty much everything you've got, you've accumulated together, yeah. right? Whether that's you've gone to work and, you, um, you know, the, the other partner stayed at home and cooked or you've both gone to work and you've both been spending... Everything you've sort of got, you've accumulated together. Well, there's no reason why that's not a 50-50. Um, there may be exceptional circumstances, like one of you's had a massive inheritance or yeah. is due one. Or there's always, if there wasn't always little caveats, then there'd be no job for a lawyer. You could do it. The accountant could do it. But so if you put, if you if you had a 700 grand house mm. and the bloke put 300 grand into that house, you wanted to get divorced. Mm. Is it just 50-50? Yeah, because let, but I, if it was a 20-year marriage yeah. and over the course of the marriage, the bloke's put 300 grand into the house, the only reason he's got that 300 grand is because he's been out working. No, I mean, say it as the, the deposit. But before... Uh, so, so if he put the deposit down of 300, yeah. for yeah. example, does he get that 300 out and then they split 50-50? Or is it, what's that, the prenup and the post-nup? No, so yeah. what we, we, the, the various sort of cross-purposes. So it, it, depend, it quite often depends on the length of the marriage, all right? Um, but the, the primary concern of the courts is the party's needs. So what does the, each party need? And the first first thing I'll think about is the children. So what do the children need? The children need a house with mum and they need a house with dad. So it's very difficult if they're children under eight, you know children under eighteen to be able to argue that both parties don't need the same don't need the same size house. Well, then we look at the pot of money that's available, and then how are we going to meet those needs? So let's say the house is seven hundred grand. Well. Mum needs a house. Dad needs a house. Three, uh, two kids, three bedroom house. They might get one for four hundred grand, so they can both get fifty grand mortgages. And how we go about about doing that? But let's say um, the husband earns a hundred grand a year mm. and the wife earns twenty grand a year. Mm. Well, husband can get a bigger mortgage, so they can both get the same size house, but he needs less capital from the house. To, uh, he needs less of a deposit because yeah. he can get a bigger mortgage, yeah. and she needs more of a deposit, so she'll get more money. Yeah. So you can see in that scenario, the fact that he put 300 grand into the yeah. house isn't really relevant. Okay. Tell me the difference between a prenup and a postnup. So, and do you advise someone doing that before going into a, a relationship? Uh, I, I would always advise people to get a prenup now. Not for any other reason than 
agree it with the person that you like and respect before you go into the marriage rather than trying to deal it with deal with it with somebody you, you hate at the end of a marriage yeah. you know let's just agree what you're going to do um the french have been doing it for years the germans have been doing it for years um pre prenups and postnups they're not very different they're no different other than a prenup's done before you're married and a postnup is done after you're married sort of during the marriage and yeah. you can do that um they're not binding but they are highly influential um and uh, a very excellent barrister that i know called nicola frost has just written a fantastic book on book on that and she's at uh, Ch chambers locally mm -hmm. um on the effect of prenups and postnups but i would always advise people to get those done mm. um and also it's a very good time to assess your partner because on a prenup well you if you're going to marry somebody you don't know they're a narcissist yeah right but if you start talking to them about what would happen if we get divorced, and that's statistically, you're getting married, you're going to get divorced. Is, is there any is, stats on that of interest? Uh, there, there are. I don't know what they I'd are. I love actually. Dan. Do you know uh, any stats? Don't be so negative. Too. Yeah. I would love to know some stats well, on how many people it, get married, how yeah. many people get divorced. Well, ma yeah. Marriage is the main cause of divorce. Yeah. But, but, the, <laughs> <laughs> but the main, you know, the, the, the thing about making a relationship work is communication. Mm. So Tim's right. In by bringing in difficult conversations early on, you get to test your durability and how you as a couple can communicate through the difficult things. But while we are looking at the moment about money and financing and understanding how that works, I think what we need to really do is bring in the behavior of the narcissist onto this as well. And unfortunately, one of the things a narcissist will do is try and they'll either win at all costs or they will destroy themselves, the finances, the children, everything in the pursuit to not be to, at fault for anything. Yeah. If we remember that one of the biggest attributes of a narcissist is that they will not take responsibility for their behavior on any level, it means any system or any questioning that then says, well, but you did this, so therefore you get that and you don't get that, is going to be like petrol on a bonfire yeah. to a narcissist. And what you often hear, and I know Tim has got lots of experience of this, you get the narcissistic partner who will go rampaging because that's what they do when they feel cornered, they rampage. So then they'll go and they'll start spending the assets, spending the money, whether or not you've got 20 pounds in your bank or 200 million, they will start spending money like there's no tomorrow. And obviously, generally the, the abused partner will be trying to protect everything yeah. because they're representing the children's well-being. They're trying to put stability mm. into the future. And it can feel like trying to separate, you know, you're a firefighter separating from an arsonist mm. is what it will feel like. Um, so mm. Tim, how do you protect your mutual assets how does the law work with that you know you've got gamblers who will you know you don't know that they owe a hundred thousand pounds to an underground gambling den they're going to come knocking on your door the mates that suddenly come to the door and they've had debts you know the loans that have come from them meanwhile that all the money's being yeah. spent the, the answer to that is get on with it mm. right so the, the the biggest mistake people make when they're divorcing a narcissist is they think that having watched all the reports on TV that you can all do this by agreement and you don't need to waste, and they've been convinced by the narcissist, don't waste money on a lawyer, whatever you do, right? And lawyers are expensive and you don't want to pay any of that, right? Um, the, the biggest problem is that is the, the I see is the two years before they first come to see me and they finally tell me to get on with it. And in that, in that period of time, things have been depleted yeah. and uh, the spending goes off the charts. Now, 
what I can what what can be done is I can apply for something called a section thirty seven order, which is I can uh, I can restrain assets. So if somebody's deliberately dis it's called dissipating assets, right? Is um, if someone's deliberately dissipating assets, I can freeze things. I can secure properties. You've got the power to do that, have you? Well, no, I can I can apply to the court okay. for an order. All right, they're very difficult to do because if somebody's it's it's dissipating, so it's what is called wanton dissipation of assets. So if they're moving money abroad, for example, yeah. or getting out of the jurisdiction, that's easy to do. But if they're converting one asset, which is they're converting money to a watch, yeah. well, that's wanton dissipation. That's conversion. Yeah. Or they're paying off the loan that they've got with their mate. Well, uh, that you know that's not wanton dissipation. Mm. So what I can then do is during the proceedings, I can argue for what's called an ad back, um, and I can say, look. Between time of separation and now, husbands wasted two hundred thousand quid on hookers and trips to Vegas, right? And then you say that, that <laughs> and happens. it happens. Yeah. It does happen. Yeah. 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 Really? Um, uh, well, and... is, that, is that you saying my mate Dave? Yeah. Went to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, Dave. Um, <laughs> Motorbikes, but... fast cars. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it, disappears, it all disappears, yeah. and um, the so I can I can apply for adbacks, but. It's difficult to do, yeah. and I've got to trace it through the forensics. And once I've traced it, I've then got to convince the judge that you should give this ad back. But actually, then you've got to bear in mind that the judge's primary concern is meeting the party's needs. Mm. So I've got this pot of money. I know Mr. Flowers saying we should have a bigger pot of money, yeah. but I haven't got that pot of money. We yeah. know that because I've actually got this, and I've got to give her enough to yeah. meet her needs and him enough to meet her needs. Mm. The way the law's developed is actually most cases are needs-based cases, which I think is fundamentally bonkers. But I don't create the law. Um, where Just break down there a needs basis. So needs-based cases. So it's what does a person need to meet their so so how much they need a month yeah, well, to survive. Yeah, and, what, what capital they need yeah. and what they they need a month. Yeah. Now that's all very subjective. So there have been cases where very very wealthy people have needed a shoe allowance per month of 10 grand mm. to buy shoes mm. well that's not a need in in my view but mm. that's been well been argued and it's a need for the lifestyle that mm. that person has so i know cases where the matrimonial pot's been 3 million and 30 million where actually we've only ever been looking at needs we've not been looking at anything else because we're trying to meet the party's needs which i mean i i think is bonkers but that's the way the the law has developed where do blokes go if they're abused, that's the problem. There is, we have one male refuge in the town, and it's full. So, uh, when COVID hit, this was the problem that we we did experience: is that there, there were um, all at the start of COVID, all the all the female refuges and the male refuges were full. Um, so, people and what we couldn't get was occupation orders kicking men out of their own house because they had nowhere to go, or men, or the the the, the, mm. the abuser. And then the, the victims had nowhere to go. So we did have a massive explosion of, of serious domestic violence situations during COVID. Um, and I think the, the there was an explosion of divorces in, you remember we had the gap in COVID. Yeah. There was an explosion of divorces then. Then we had another lockdown and then another explosion of divorces after that. So that was a, that was a, a big time for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, um, and it's, it, it's, it's sometimes difficult with what we do is because actually, when people first walk through the door, they're pretty vulnerable. Yeah. And you don't want to sign somebody up to a contract with a lawyer paying huge amount of mm. fees at that start point. Mm. And that's why I say there's that delay between when they first come to see you and getting signed up um, and, and telling me to get on with it. But 
what I can't do, some lawyers will, I'm sure they do, but I won't have somebody vulnerable come into my office and sign them up straight away. I just won't do it. Yeah. I go, uh, and more often than not, it will be a referral to therapy. It will be referral to men's care, one of the refuges, or or something like that. It's it's usually a referral on to someone to help them with their life before the money. But there's no one, I'm going back to this point again, because yeah. we had someone on a, a while back. Where does a bloke go if he's getting physically bullied and hit? He, Where, who can he call? Because he doesn't want to move out. He doesn't want to go to the, yeah. the refuge and so, move out. Who can he call to have a conversation privately? He, he can call me. He, he can call a lawyer. He can call the NCDV. The NCDV are fantastic. Stands for? Uh, National Centre for Domestic Violence. Okay. Um, and what we've got now is 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 a lot more acceptance, particularly over the last sort of five years, um, of men being victims of abuse because we've had the law change now. So we've got controlling and coercive behaviour. Now, controlling and coercive behaviour is is recognised as a form of domestic abuse, and women are just as capable as men of being controlling and coercive in their yeah. behaviour. Um, and men are now learning. But what we've got, we've had that law come in, but we've got to educate society and men mm. and our mates. Mm. And we've got to, you know, I've got mates that I, that I know, I think you think you know, where I've had to say to them, mate, that's not all right. Yeah. You need to get out of here. Yeah. And he's going, oh, you know, and I, I've had it with you, the old thing with, with a woman, you think about domestic violence, oh, he only gives me a slap when I've done something wrong, yeah. right? That was the old thing, and everyone would yeah. go, oh, I can't believe that yeah. used to happen. Well, I've had you know, situations where um, a, a chap is late home and he, he's ha he has his car, car keys confiscated. And he, you know, he, he's spoken to me going, oh, yeah, I can't come. She's taking the car keys because I, I was late home. Mm. And I'm like, what? And they, they go, oh, yeah, well, it's my fault I was late. No. No, they're your car keys. Yeah, um, and and it's it's our responsibility yeah. as men yeah. to educate other men yeah. that what's going on isn't, isn't all right. Yeah. yeah, agree. And that's where we've got the, 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 the sort of slow development with it. But yeah. but also in doing that, let, let's put an emphasis on the word support. And I think something that happens too quickly is going straight to a solution. So when your friend is in a difficult position and you notice that, just coming in and saying you've got to leave isn't the first place mm. to go. Mm. The first place to go is tell me what's happening. But a bloke might want not might might not want to tell you. Majority of bloke, blokes won't want to tell you mm. because he'll think that all the boys will know. Well, that, but all the boys, all the lads, we can all see. We can all see in, but I think when someone's in that relationship, they can't actually see that they're stuck in this relationship, narcissistic no, relationship and until they divorce true. and they go, why didn't you tell me 10 years ago, lads? Yeah. Like, Mate, we all saw it. Yeah, well, we and that's it. We yeah. see, we've seen that with you know people yeah. we know. Yeah. And um, but we we didn't. We like I said before, men weren't happy, weren't able to talk about their mental health, and that now we're starting. Yeah. We've you know we've got we've got proper fighters coming yeah. out and saying, look, talk about your mental health. Yeah. And this is the next step on. Women have been able to talk about their emotions for a long time. Yeah. Um, men men are new to this, so we're learning about our our emotions and being able to talk about it. And now we're going to learn, hopefully, to talk about our relationships with our mates. Yeah. Where women will talk about, you know, you, you know, you, you most men know that their missus has sent a screenshot of a WhatsApp to one of their mates, mm. right, of a conversation she's had with her, her mate. Mm. You never guess what he said. Look at mm. this, mm. right? Um, men would never dream. Men no. don't do that, all right? 
we've got we, we're going to learn i mean i'm not saying that's a good thing to do but we need to learn to talk to each other because uh and talk to talk and also talk to our female friends mm. um and learn try and learn and educate ourselves as to whether or not that's all right because mm. like you say you don't know that you're in a relationship with a narcissist until mm. you leave one until you leave one and then you know we find you know you find out from your mates what's been going on behind closed doors and you think jesus christ how did how did, how did i not know that yeah but did you not you surely you would know it if you knew that your family's been pushed away from you. Your friends have been pushed away from you by that narcissist. Yeah, you Surely don't see you, it. you don't realise. You don't see it because it, you're eroded so slowly over a period of time. And also part of the, the illusion is it's made to be your fault. Mm. So, you know, the reason... And also they'll devalue those people. Don't forget that the most astute of deliverers of smear campaigns will actually isolate you by making people fall out with you. Yeah. Um, so you're, you won't know why the phone calls are stopping. You won't know why the family members don't invite you to X, Y, Z anymore. Um, and then the narcissist will be there to play right into that yeah. by, you know, by also highlighting that you're the problem. Yeah. Um, and you won't be. This has been an absolutely fascinating conversation. I really appreciate you coming in, Tim and Becky, again. Just before we finish off, I'm just going to throw something at you. I know you probably haven't thought about it, but can you give me, Becky, your top three tips about getting out of a uh, narcissistic relationship? Yeah, number one, remember that most of their behaviour isn't personal to you. It's how they navigate everyone. Um, so whilst the pain is very personal to you, you are just another person in their lives that they're treating exactly the same way. Number two, if you are going through a legal separation, hide behind your lawyer. Blame your lawyer for the decisions. Blame your lawyer, if you don't mind, Tim. Yeah. You know, blame your lawyer for the decisions. It's not me, it's my lawyer. And then you kind of get left alone a bit. Uh, and, and number three, really get some help to rebuild your self-worth because there's a new life for you after this you will always have to manage some of their behaviors but it will become easier when you learn how to play the flying monkey with them and yeah. you know there's some tips on that in episode 103 too lovely thank you and tim uh, any of you got three tips for us before we finish off about yeah. how to get out of a narcissistic relationship one before the first thing is make sure you're safe yeah. make sure you're safe no matter what but the, se the second thing would be get a therapist before you get a lawyer all right because you can't instruct a lawyer unless you've got your thoughts in order and the third thing, and we're cheaper. Yeah, and cheaper. <laughs> and the, and the, and the third thing is, if they are a narcissist, don't expect it to be amicable. So get a lawyer that's not going to be scared by a bully. Yeah, great, great, great tips, guys. Brilliant. Um, where can people find you, Tim? I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me on Google. My firm's Preston Redmond Solicitors, um, and I work all over the country. So. A lot of my work is done in done in London, but I do cases Fantastic. in Liverpool, Manchester, all over the country. So, so Tim Flower, LinkedIn, anyone can come and get you and have a private conversation. Absolutely. You're a good yeah. man, Tim. Thank Becky, you. where can people get you? Um, they can find me again through Google, Becky Holston, and that's Becky spelt with an I and Holston, H-O-U-L-S-T-O-N, and they'll find my website and they can contact me through there. Wonderful. Anyone listening out there, you've got the two of the best people in the country here. Check out Tim, check out Becky, and this was a brilliant show and I really appreciate you guys. Thanks for your time. Brilliant. Thanks, Todd. Cheers, Becky. Thanks, Todd. Cheers, Cheers mate.